Fixing hits and goals and saves and slap shots and goons. We've got sport the commentary to what if your commute. But we also cover movies, TV shows, eats and tunes. It's your weekly bowl of hoggy and nonsense. Hey everybody, uh, it's uh, Sean here doing the intro because Greg is not with us this week. Uh, by that he means Greg died. All right, Greg died, uh, but it's fine. We're we're good. Ryan and I are still here, and uh, we have a uh, special guest host who will introduce himself uh, in a second. Uh, but yeah, I'm Sean Magnew from The Athletic, and there's uh, probably a bunch of catchphrases and stuff I'm supposed to say in the intro, but I don't know what they are because I don't listen to the podcast. Uh, so I'm just going to say hello to Ryan Lambert. Hey, I'm Ryan Lambert from EP Rinkside. Uh, I also don't really want to get into a whole uh, catchphrase thing. And, and we should introduce our guy special guest host here. who's going to say hello right now. Hey, this is Sean Dutilla from The Athletic and the NHL on TNT. Just took a job as the <laughs> studio analyst for their game broadcast for the upcoming season. Very excited to announce That's that awesome. here. Yeah, and as long as nobody else more famous becomes available. <laughs> what's, impo- what's important is uh, I have a ton of experience and a ton of charisma, and I'll do a great job. And those are the most important things you can get when you're hiring a TV person. Yeah, exactly. When you're hiring a TV person, your first thought should be, has this person ever been good on television? <laughs> and as long as they have. Uh, okay, so, so Wayne Gretzky uh, quits the Edmonton Oilers. Which Smart. I think we would all mm-hmm. agree is is generally a good move. Anytime you can pull it off, uh, it was it was a shocking moment to me because I didn't realize Wayne Gretzky worked for the Edmonton Oilers. But apparently, <laughs> this is something he'd been doing for five years. Who hired him? Was he like a Bob? Was he like a Bob Nicholson hire? Like who even knows? That's a that's a classic Bob Nicholson hire. <laughs> I mean, I see. My thing is, I don't know. Is this do? If you're a former Oiler that was part of those cup teams, do you get hired by the Oilers, or is it like just a default thing where you should be assumed to be working for them? You just unless, have an office. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you, they go, hey, you haven't been to work in like 15 years, and they're like, what's that? I don't yeah. know. See, that's where... Like somewhere, <laughs> Dr. Randy Gregg is still getting paychecks from the Oilers for like front office consulting. And that's where right. Gretzky is, uh, is different, though. He went in every day for the past five years, nine to five, sat at his desk. Absolutely. <laughs> had a little had a little time clock that he punched and uh, ate lunch, bagged every, lunch. Every day, Gretzky kid, they were like, Gretzky, you got to come into your office. And he went in and stood behind the net. And they're like, no, 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 the uh, other one. Uh, so it's a tough break for the Oilers because obviously whatever he was doing was working great. <laughs> uh, and we'll we'll get to the Oilers, but... Yeah, he's uh, he's going to be on TV, or and and he's going to be on TV in the states. So he's he's not my problem. He's your problem. How how do you guys feel about this? The thing that I liked about it was everybody. The initial wave of reaction was, isn't he like kind of boring by design? <laughs> like, isn't that his whole deal? And then the second wave of reaction was, you don't understand. This guy really likes hockey, and it's like, no, I I did understand that. I don't think that is what makes him like a good guy to be on TV. I thought he hated it. I thought he was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, 
just fucking the, done with it. The biggest trick Wayne Gretzky ever pulled was convincing people for the last forty five years that he actually that he actually hates hockey. Did you see the press release about it? Because I, I actually I actually just read all of it. They said he's going to be there for key moments during the regular season, which leads me to believe that it's also kind of a kind of another part time job and, until the uh, in, until the playoffs start. So I don't think it's going to be. I mean, based on that, it's tough to imagine it being. You know, he's there every whatever every Tuesday night doing the full the full Chuck and Kenny kind of kind of bit, which also also frankly sounds about right. Yeah, I, I mean, I think what's happening here pretty clearly is TNT has got the the contract. They know that the vast majority of the American sports watching public doesn't follow the NHL with any regularity, uh, and probably knows a small handful of names of hockey players, and one of those names is Wayne Gretzky. So they want that when you turn on the tv you're gonna be okay and coming up next wayne gretzky and you go i, I know that guy uh and then you just hope that he can be good enough uh, I, I mean i feel like we're gonna get one or two wayne gretzky products we're either gonna get very boring wayne gretzky who's also kind of wooden and not super you know we 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 all have flashbacks to the saturday night live hosting stint um or there is a slight chance that we will get like angry olympics wayne gretzky like you remember like his heel turn in 2002 when he just flipped out on the officials and on team usa and just and and that we'll get that guy and he'll just go maybe not scorched earth but he'll be this critical voice and and you know all the things that a lot of us kind of want uh or, or at least wouldn't mind seeing um in terms of where the product's at uh that would be cool I'm not getting my hopes up. I hope he taps into whatever emotion he was feeling when he was holding up the Olympic torch during the during the opening ceremonies <laughs> in 2010. That's just really every time they cut to it, we should be in the back of a pickup truck, just like, "Where are you going, Wayne? I don't know." They didn't like tell half me. Frowning. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that makes sense. Like the the justification here is, I mean, Sean, it's like you said, people are like, "Oh wow, Wayne Gretzky's going to be on TV," and you hope that that's some sort of you know, side door for people to start watching these broadcasts. I don't know that it's necessarily going to work because I think it's a, it's a gimmick and that's fine, but there has to be some kind of payoff. And if he doesn't have the goods and if he's not interesting, then it's not like people are going to make it, you know, appointment watching, uh, period. I mean, you look at other sports and they all have guys who were recognizable star names in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, right? I mean, there, there's you've got Terry Bradshaw and Howie Long are great on football. You've got Joe Morgan on baseball, who's maybe not so great, but is... is yeah, there was a website a about it, I feel like. <laughs> I think there was, yeah. Is it true? <laughs> uh, and, and then, you know, basketball, obviously, you, you got Barkley and Shaq and, and go on down the list. And I, I can get, if I'm, a, if I'm a TV executive, I'm sitting mm-hmm. there looking at the NHL going, why is it all backup goalies and fourth liners that that barely anyone has ever heard of let's get some stars on there and then somebody has to break it to that guy that none of the stars in the nhl are interesting uh at which point you go and just get the biggest star you can and well, i guess hope that he's gonna be okay here's the interesting thing right is like this is if tnt had michael jordan as mm-hmm. the voice of their broadcast right like that's 
you know, and Michael Jordan famously, like, uh, not really doing many uh, big uh, opinions in public because, you know, mm-hmm. Republicans buy shoes too or whatever, you know, like. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that, that maybe, like, the best player of an era – uh, is going to be the the big exciting guy versus Chuck and Shaq who are like, well, fuck it, I don't have mm-hmm. anything to lose here, you know. And the unfortunate part of that is that the NHL did try like that level of a star, like the second tier star, but it was Jeremy Roenick. Mm-hmm. And Brett, and he wasn't yeah. good and on Brett TV. Hall before that, by the way. You remember he was mm-hmm. on NBC for like fifteen minutes and he was yeah. abysmal. He was terrible. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest issue is that. It's going to require a full-on mindset change for American fans based on the last, you know, 17 years or however long it's been because intermission programming is just not worth our time. Like, we're we're convi- we're um, so accustomed to just kind of flipping to something else because it's like, who gives a shit? We have to watch Keith Jones and, and Ronick talk about God knows what. So it's going to take some kind of sea change to like change that behavior. And I, I, in a way it's easy to make fun of Gretzky because he's the most boring man on earth. But at the same time, like you're trying to, you know, unlearn behavior in, in your, in your viewing audience. So it it does make sense on some level, but it's just, it's also really, I don't know, man, it's tough. It's tough for me to see it working out. Well, the, the other thing to say, and Obviously, like, this isn't a thing Sean uh, has to worry about up in Canada, but, like, there's not, like, it's not, it's a very small captive audience Mm -hmm. in hockey, right? Like, we're all sickos who are going to watch a midweek Minnesota-Columbus game. Right. Because what what else are we going to do? We're not going to watch something else. Whereas... Read a a book? No. No, absolutely not. I can't read, so... (laughs) um, and, and, like, you know, in Canada, obviously, there's only seven teams that they ever put on TV up there. So, like, there, yeah, there's less more... Less than that, according to some yeah. Canadians. But... Well, yeah, there's that. Um, but it, it's... It, it'll be interesting to me to see how TNT decides to, like, hype up some shitty midweek, like, St. Louis-Nashville game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's not going to be... Well, these are fun, exciting teams to watch. Yeah, and it's and it's not going to be what it would have been ten or twenty years ago, which is come watch these guys beat the crap out of each other, right? Because even on the rare occasions where that still happens, it's not something that you're going to market and promote anymore. If Gretzky puts in the work, I can imagine him being worth listening to. Like you either you either have to know your shit or you have to be entertaining. You can be both, but you certainly have to be one. And God, well, Gretzky knows his shit. Oh, I I agree. Mm-hmm. Does I mean is he going to be able to speak authoritatively about the Nashville Predators and in, in the in the Minnesota Wild on on, on a well, Tuesday night? Do we do we know that? So let me put it this way: uh, I, last night when the, when this kind of got like leaked, um, Tom Drantz, who uh, obviously works for the Athletic but used to work for the Florida Panthers, mm-hmm. uh, he said that he had to you know escort Gretzky around the rink in in Sunrise one time and Gretzky was like yeah so what's going on with these line combinations because I you know like so he like seems cool. like he's just okay. he, see that, he gets it that, that makes that me think level. it has a better chance to work I also didn't see that anecdote because I blocked Durant's on Twitter I can't stand that's him. smart yeah <laughs> <laughs> and look here's the other thing like a lot of times with these guys you want 
the expertise. I, I, I think all of us have probably at some point noted how little X's and O's there ever are in, in NHL broadcasts for whatever reason. And so, you, you know, you want somebody who can be smart and talk about this stuff. But you also, when it's an ex-player, you want like a storyteller too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, Wayne Gretzky seems to default to boring, unoffensive, bland. But that guy's got a ton of stories. I mean, good Lord, the, the 80s Oilers. Yeah. Then go to the Hollywood Kings with all the celebrities, do a few months sentence with Mike Keenan, and then come to New York, and then you coach the Coyotes for God knows what reason for five years. And I have a I couple, mean, I have a, this, I have a couple guesses there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> this guy, I mean, he he could tell. He's probably got a million great. I stories. hope he taps. Oh, totally. Just tell them. exactly. Yeah. If, if he taps into it, like. It's gonna it's gonna work. I would love like hockey nerd Wade Wayne Gretzky breaking stuff down and then also throwing in some stories from, you know, nineteen eighty seven. That'd be that'd be awesome. I'm just skeptical that that's what we're gonna get. Yeah, I think the hockey storytelling Wayne Gretzky we all think of is you know, we're gonna be halfway through the season, we're like, Oh my god, another Gordy Thomas story. <laughs> all right, okay, Wayne. <laughs> Yari Curry did what? Wow. Yeah. And, I mean, the worst-case scenario is that it doesn't work for the same reason that a lot of us might think that his coaching didn't work, uh, which is that in addition to maybe it not even being a job he actually wants to do, it can be really tough for star players to comment, coach, whatever, Mm players who can't do what they do. And, you know, there's a frustration level of how, how did you not see that? Well, because nobody sees that except you. That's why you have more assists than anyone has right. points. And if you take that uh, down a million levels and, you ha- and you're expecting them to explain stuff to idiots like me, then, you know, I, something could be lost in translation there. I, I, hope it, I hope it works because I want something fun to watch during, during broadcasts down here. But, yeah. I'm, well, so... But that's the thing, right? Is like we don't know what the TN like. I, I think Greg has said before, like the NBC broadcast is boring because that's the style they're going mm-hmm. for. They're going for like bland, totally. And obviously, with like inside the NBA, uh, they're not going for that at all. That they're going for the opposite. But their 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 first hockey hire is bland. So what it like I, I guess I guess the point is you need to see the the whole team before like I don't want to get out in front yeah, of uh, get out in front of it and go like well this is gonna suck but also so they're like over one on on names where hockey fans are like hell yeah let's go yep yep no uh, fair enough and uh, Gretzky is got a ways to go to be uh, the uh, Stephen A. Smith, which who weighed in on the Oilers uh, this week. Did you guys see that? You probably couldn't avoid it because it got tweeted like a hundred times. I love it. Yeah, he had <laughs> yeah. Connor McDavid thoughts. I, you know, I honestly feel like with something like this, uh, if you just showed me a script and you're like, somebody went on TV and said this, my eyes would roll so far into the back of my head. But he can pull it off. He's like maybe the only guy who can really do that and and have it work would you i had a i have a friend who works in media down here and he works for a big spot it's not espn he texted me yesterday and said that 
that was the first time he'd ever heard of Leon Dreisaitl. Was when was when Steve wow. was when Stephen A. said said his name. So, mm-hmm. and and acted like he, of course, knew who he was. Which mission mission isn't accomplished, bad though, yeah. right? Yeah. Like like again, this yep. this guy is a sports dork for the most part, and and he was like, oh yeah, I'm not sure I knew who that guy was, Leon Dreisaitl. It's been and he knows because Stephen A. said his name yesterday. Right, and mm-hmm. the guy who is the reigning MVP. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, if if people didn't see it, it was I mean it was probably pretty much what you would imagine. But he he mentioned the Oilers having McDavid and Dreisaitl and 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 very kind of briefly explained who they were and then pretty much went in on them for for going out in the first round. Uh, yeah, not super insightful, but again, like it, there is something to well, just the cool fact totally. of this guy saying like, of course we all know who Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are, and you're sitting there as a Sports fan going, mm, I don't, but maybe I should because if if he does, then then maybe I so should. So I I don't I don't watch ESPN during the day. Like I don't have it on his background noise or anything. But I've had multiple people say to me like, "Wow, they're really they're really talking about hockey on the in the midday ESPN programming." And that's and it's getting it's shoehorned in obviously, and it's you know half goofy stuff like you know like Stephen A. ripping the Oilers. But I think it's an interesting kind of window into you know. Even now, before the deal starts, they're trying. They're trying to pump it up, man. So I, I don't. I don't see anything wrong with that. I, I think that's. I think only good things can come from that because it's really, you know, Stephen A. I, he he knows the, he knows the NBA to a pretty serious extent, but he's gotten busted before. Not like gotten stuff completely wrong about NF, about NFL teams and MLB stuff and whatever. I mean, he's he's kind of a dilettante by nature, and and a lot yeah, he of he said the Dallas Mavericks were a. Uh, a professional uh hockey team so that he got in trouble for that one. well like he he I, I remember last year like the the tight end for the san diego chargers like blew out his knee or whatever it was like in the yeah. first in the first two weeks and he's like midway through the season talking about how this guy's going to be a matchup issue for whatever team they were playing like like he's gotten nailed before got it so he, he yeah i i will i don't watch espn at all because they don't uh, they don't talk about hockey. Hockey's really the yeah. only sport I, I watch seriously. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I, I have the opposite problem. But you know, obviously, like uh, I, what I liked about the Stephen A. video was he was like, "Look, I don't know shit about hockey." Yes, we all know that. That's fine. Like you, like it's good to not pretend. You know, like, oh, me with my big file of hockey information? He and he that. just, like, drops a stack of notebooks on his he desk? He did that in his first video. Like, when they when they announced the deal, he was like, here's the five things I know about hockey. And three of them were yeah. just compl- – he was just doing bits. So I'm, I'm, on, yeah. I'm on board with that. Like, he's not, he's, not, he's not being a phony about it. He's, he's not being a phony, but he's also, if in, in the limited stuff I've seen at least, he's – you know, he's saying, look – Here's what I know. Here's what I don't mm-hmm. know. But he's he's kind of tiptoeing up to, but not crossing that mm-hmm. line that happens so often. Which is, wouldn't it be ridiculous if I even did know anything? About <laughs> yeah. Like would, like that stupid SNL sketch that everybody uh, loves so much. Like oh, they talked about hockey. Yeah, they the whole premise of that sketch was, wouldn't it be hilarious if a cool person had to actually pretend that they knew anything about this stupid sport nobody likes? Yep. And we were all like, that's awesome. You said our <laughs> name. That's so cool. And. I really hope with with the various ESPN guys and and you know Stephen A being one of them that they don't go down that road. And there've been a couple times where it sort of felt like he was getting close to that, but then but then not. And and definitely with this his thing this week, he he 
when he wasn't uh, he wasn't playing that card. So I you know it was, I thought it was cool. What do we think in general of the Edmonton Oilers? <laughs> Well, I think it was a negative myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, they definitely shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Like, I, the thing that I liked about the Stephen A. thing, to, to put a bow on that, is that he did the hockey media guy thing, and he was like, and it's the star's fault that they stink. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah, he the figured two best us players. out real quick. Yeah. Here's, like, two of the four best players in the world. They have no other NHL talent on their team. It's their fault the team got swept. Like, that actually is such a perfect summation of, of the, of the hockey media. Like, look, no, I don't think anybody, I think everybody is surprised they got swept, but obviously, but I don't think anybody's going, this is a complete shocker that the Edmonton Oilers lost in the first round again. Uh, their goalie was Mike Smith. Uh, their number one defenseman missed the entire season. Uh, they they had to put Dreisaitl on the McDavid line to get any kind of off- offensive looks going. And uh, that means they had like two other NHL players in their forward group uh, off that line. Josh Archibald was the one that I just, I, it's, I can't believe he... He played the amount that he that he did for them over the course of the of the regular season because he couldn't even crack the lineup with the Penguins. He's like five, you know, five nine or something. Yeah, and like you look you look at their roster and you go, okay, well, like Connor McDavid made Josh Archibald look like a competent <laughs> NHL amazing. player, right? Yeah. But last year he did that with Zach Cassian. Zach Cassian got a big fat fucking contract mm-hmm. out of it. Yeah, and it's like. This Which is, is the problem. That, this that's, is- that would drive me crazy if I'm Connor McDavid because yes. we all know he took way less money than he could have when he signed that eight-year deal. I'm not going to say it's a bad deal because he can have whatever priorities he wants, but he, he signed it. And the whole idea with that was, oh, okay, but he's leaving money on the table that they can then use to surround him with talent. And instead, they put plugs on his line – he banks goals off of those guys because he's Connor McDavid, and then they give his money to those guys and are like, "Here, yeah. Zach, you're a three million dollar player now." And he's sitting there going, "Like, well, I, I, we don't know, we don't know what what he's, but, but if I was him, I would be sitting there going, either spend the money I gave you on good players, or give me cheap guys and and." to put a play on my line and, and spend it somewhere else. But don't give me cheap guys and then turn them into expensive guys. Right. Because I'm so good that I turn them into good mm-hmm. players. Yeah, it's the 2012 Pittsburgh Penguins problem mm-hmm. where they were like, everybody who plays with Malkin and Crosby deserve $5 million. Yep. That's it. That's that's all it is. And and again, like, who couldn't have se- foreseen a situation where Mike Smith is, like, slightly less than passable uh, in the playoffs, and it cost them. A, now, granted, the other thing we have to say is uh, Connor McDavid, or uh, sorry, Connor Hellebuck stood on his fucking head for for four yep. straight games. Um, yep. This was I, I've seen it know. referred to as maybe the closest sweep in NHL history. I mean, you, sure. you look at any okay. of the numbers. Edmonton was either a, a slightly better team, or at least even with the Jets. Three of the games go into overtime. Uh, the first game was a one-goal game until the empty netters. This is uh, of 
of any sweep you can imagine, this was about as close as they can come. But I, I don't know if that ultimately is really saying all that much when you lose four. They have, they have two fucking MVPs and they just got swept by the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> Who are terrible. Who aren't good. <laughs> like, they're so bad. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's one of those things where we're, we're so accustomed to it and we're generally accustomed to the Oilers being bad. And it's like, we, I don't, I, I feel like people aren't angry enough about this uh, because I talked and I talked about this yesterday too. We're getting cheated out of playoff runs by by these guys without without trying yep. to you know make it into some moral issue or or, or whatever. These guys are twenty five years old or, or or close to it now, and we just missed out on 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 another one for what for for what reason? I I still can't get over the Ken Holland trade deadline comments that that boggles my fucking yep. mind where yep. where he's like that, there's some years where you don't go all in as if he a as if he just took the job when when he's been on it for three years C- crazy like he's not responsible for the for the rest of the makeup of uh, of this roster like 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 it was somebody else just really really crazy shit and um I I hope it stops. I don't really want I don't want to continue doing this every year. I'm sure Connor McDavid doesn't either. Yeah, that that's the the Ken Holland comments if people didn't hear them. It, it was at the trade deadline after the Oilers did basically nothing. When they got like Dmitry Kulikov for a a late pick. And Ken Holland said, "I don't think you can be all in every year. I think you pick and choose." Mm-hmm. Which, on, on one level, yes, absolutely. I mean, you can't be trading your first-round pick every year. Uh, we all understand that. Uh, but, man, I mean, you have Leon Seidel, who was the MVP last year, who's having almost as good a season this year. You've got Connor McDavid having the best season any forward has had since Merrill Lemieux. You have Mike Smith, a... 38-year-old goalie who has not been good for a few years, having a miracle rebound season uh, where he's he's actually playing well, and you're doing this all in a division that is very winnable and has a, a very clear path out of it. You can't go all in every year, but he's, ta- he's talking like he's a pretty good he, one. To- he's talking like he's David Poyle at the deadline, who had <laughs> right. who had a shit team that. You know, he would just been buying the time for anyways, yeah. and he went out and got good Branson, and, and Poyle was like, "Yeah, well, like, like whatever. Like, what are you gonna do?" He's treating his team the same way as if it's like a fringe playoff contender without without any without any meaningful bits, and it's like you, you the 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 process should start. Go get somebody. Try. Yep. And <laughs> what? And look, I mean, the, the Connor McDavid, Andersonel, but especially like McDavid is going to be an MVP-level player in this league for at least 10 more years. But this is his prime mm-hmm. right now. And you, you've you just wasted this incredible gift that you got from the lottery gods, and so far you haven't put anything around. Like, we get that it's it's difficult. We get that this is the NHL. One guy can, can only do so much. you got to fill all these spots. But it really is amazing to me, five... But six years later, how little the Oilers have been able to put in place around this guy. Like, Dresaito was already there. Ryan Nugent Hopkins was already there. Who have they <laughs> added up front since Connor McDavid where you would say, yeah, I mean, they okay, that's a good player that they put in. I, Yamamoto, it, I think that's about it, yeah, right? That's, that's yeah. it. 
could that's, be it. That's fucking incredible. But here's the amazing that the, the the Ken Holland thing from from earlier this year. The amazing part is, dude, we saw all the work you did with the fucking Detroit Red Wings. Yes. You were try, you were out there trading first round picks for mediocre veterans every single year, trying to ma- just scrape fucking, into the playoffs after Nicholas David retired. David Legwand. Yep. The corpse of Daniel Alfredson. It's it's just a wild a wild one eighty from Holland and and now and now he's and now he's all about discretion. Whenever he has yeah. whenever he has Connor McDavid having a if having Connor a Lemieux season three. If he Ugh. was thirty three, he'd be like, we gotta go out we, and get the PA Paragos of the world. We, <laughs> like, we, we, owe, we owe this it. to Connor McDavid. Also, they lost. They lost the Milan Lucic trade. By the way, I I, I would like I, w- I would like to incredible, I, remarkable, remarkable work. Yeah, I, the thing I I can't get is it feels like it, they're they're throwing all this money at deft guys and the, and you know, I I think that every NHL team approached free agency should be sit out the first few days and then wait till the bargains start to bubble up to the surface. But the Edmonton, can you imagine if you're an NHL player and there's, there's going to be some, certainly in a flat cap scenario, uh, there's going to be players that, that don't get the sort of deals that they're looking for. Wait, wait it out a little bit and then call those guys and be like, Hey, I know you didn't get the the traction you were looking for. Do you want to come to Edmonton for one year and play next to Connor McDavid? And put up Easy the best the numbers world. you have ever put up in your life, and then try again in free agency. Yeah, I think I do. And and you you would think there'd be a lineup of those guys. Like you look at the Leafs, who are the team up here in Canada. The, the Oilers always get compared to because they both won lotteries, and you know you, the the Leafs are have got a ton of depth. And yeah, some of that is because they just wait and they got Jason Spezza, Joe Thornton, all these guys, Wayne Simmons. Hey, do you guys want to come home to Toronto and play for on cheap contracts? Yeah, we do actually, and and off they go. It's not quite the same in Edmonton, but you would think, hey, come play with Connor McDavid would be a really, really strong selling point. Uh, and yet, it, it so far it doesn't really happen, and it's not. I don't even think it's for lack of trying. It's because they don't have any cap space by the end of the summer because well, they've given it all to plugs. Well, there's that, and there's also the guys they do target for that kind of thing are fucking Milan Lucic, right? They're, oh, yeah. You're you're the prize free agent. Could you pl- could you please do us the huge favor signing. of of sign- and look, like that's Peter Chiarelli being Peter Chiarelli. I get all that. That's you know, that's fine. But at some point you just got to say, you know, maybe these like old hockey guys uh shouldn't be making these decisions anymore because they don't fucking get it. They don't, I, they don't understand. Like, and again, like to go back to the thing about, um, blaming stars, people are like, well, he needs to have the Steve Eiserman realization. And it's like, first of all, ugh. obviously that's bullshit. Right. Um, but second, second of all, like the, the thing is that when Steve Eiserman had that realization, or whatever you want to say. I mean, he was 29 years old, something like that. But uh, what, what the what the Red Wings did was they were like, what What if we, around the same time as Steve Eiserman turned 28, what if we went out and acquired nine future Hall of Famers? Yeah, yep. it's a lot easier. Like, it's a lot easier for Steve Eiserman to have that realization whenever he's playing with, you know, the Russian Five, the Ru- right? Exactly. <laughs> then fucking and Josh also Archibald. Was, yeah, like that. That's the thing. I saw that 
saying that Ken Holland has to have the Steve Eiserman conversation with Connor McDavid. I think Connor McDavid has to have the Steve Eiserman conversation yes. with Ken Holland yes. and go, where's my Brendan Shanahan? Yeah. Where's that happening? I've got my Sergei Fedorov in recital. Okay, where's Lidstrom? Don't see that anywhere. Where's Chelios? Where's you know? Where's Larry Murphy? Where you know that they went and got for for next to nothing because they identified an opportunity. Uh, that I think is is the conversation to have. And and I gotta say, like I like the Ken Holland hiring when Edmonton did it. There is a part of me now that wonders if it wasn't on some level a mistake to go out and get a guy who already had a bunch of cup rings. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like the sense of urgency isn't there. Well, it, it's that, and it's, again, like, why are the Red Wings so fucking bad now? It's because of all the contracts Ken Holland signed over the last decade, right? Like, he's like, oh, I got I got to lock in fucking Danny DeKaiser and and um, and fucking Justin Abdelkader. Like, those mm-hmm. are the guys Ken Holland thinks is good. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm not surprised that he went out and tried to get Milan Lucic and, and wanted to lock up Zach Cassian. Like, we couldn't possibly afford to lose a Zach fucking Cassian. Like, it... Can you imagine... Of course he's that guy. Can you imagine Ken Holland that guy? having the Steve Eiserman conversation with Steve Eiserman after the equivalent of fucking 105 points in 56 games? Like that's yeah. that's that's not when the Steve Eiserman conversation happened. He he was he was well down the road, and certainly not putting up you know a, a point one point eight points a game or whatever whatever the hell the math mm-hmm. works out to. And, and, and we should also point out the other piece of this is that Connor McDavid was not a very good defensive player <laughs> uh, last year, but this year competent. Competent, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe even a little bit better than that. I mean, it wasn't, you know, he's not Steve Eiserman suddenly being a Selkie finalist, but he he was, he his defense was not the issue this no. year. And, and the fact that he improved his defense that much while also going completely insane on the offensive side, uh, yeah, the idea that, that any of this is, it, there's, there's no, here's why the Oilers lost take, that should involve Connor McDavid's name in any context other than not enough guys to play with. Yeah. So, all right, we've danced on the Oilers' grave. Let's do the same for uh, a couple of other teams who've gone out since uh, we we last spoke. Capitals and the Blues. I'll throw them both out. Uh, what do we What do we think of the path forward for either of these teams? I think the, if you're the Blues, you can kind of talk yourself into this was a fucked up season, right? Like, I don't mm-hmm. I don't love their roster, but, you know, it's pretty, with, obviously with the exception of not having um, their previous captain uh, on the roster anymore, um, it, it's a situation where you can kind of look at it and say, this is pretty much the same team that we went to a cup final and won pretty easily with. And granted, some of that was a, a, a white hot goaltender who hasn't been that since, right? But also, you know, like they were a, they were a very solid team when they won the cup, regardless of uh, how how hot Bennington got at the right time. Like you know, all their underlying numbers were very good, and this year a million. COVID issues, a million injuries. I, I think you just kind of go, yeah, we can improve in the offseason. Like, we have that kind of flexibility. Um, let's just kind of take another kick at this can in a normal season and see what happens. You can't do that if you're the Capitals, though. 
the the Capitals have a million questions. Everybody on the team's thirty one years old. Um, yeah, and and Alexander Ovechkin's contract is done. Yeah, I, He's, he is. You, you you never see him listed as like. In free agency previews, we all assume he's not going mm-hmm. anywhere. Although we all said the same thing about Sedano Chera a year ago. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what, what do you do with that if you're like if, if Ovechkin says, "Yeah, I want another eight years" or something like that? Is there any scenario here where we were at all concerned that they either can't keep him or that it turns into a very regrettable uh, situation? I wonder what the I wonder what the, the odds on that are. Like, like, is there some sort of weird Godfather offer that comes to him on the first day of free agency, and he just is sort of like, yeah, I'll take four years from. I think what I think what helps what helps the caps there is that so few contending teams are going to have cap space that there might not be anybody mm-hmm. out there who's like an easy fit in terms of like, yeah, fine, you went four years at you know nine million or whatever whatever it's going to end up being. So I, I mean, I still I expect him to end up back there. But man, you look at their salary structure, and it's just not good, man. I, a I don't a lot of money. It's a, a lot of guys. It's a lot of money. It's you know they just added they just added the Mantha contract, which is you know that's not peanuts. That's five point seven for him. Who's he's twenty six, by the way. I feel like people people don't don't kind of realize. Yeah, and that he was him. he yep. was one of the youngest players on their playoff uh-huh. roster at twenty six years old. Like, and you know. Uh, I said it uh, uh, like when the playoffs started and people got mad at me. Like I thought that was a bad matchup for them from day one because mm-hmm. they're old and slow and they look pretty banged up a lot of the time. Um, really, is, really, really top heavy. Their bottom six is yeah is, is junk. And the other thing to say though is that like oh well you would go okay well I mean so you know some of it was COVID stuff and and what are you going to do injuries? It's like well when everybody on your team's old uh, injuries are more of a problem. Like that's how this works. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I, you know, I, I just thought, well, it's like, well, the Bruins can play fucking track meet hockey against these guys and, and it'll be uh, tough for them. Um, whereas, you know, like the Bruins are a dominant team and I've said it before, but like the Capitals were just a dangerous team. If you gave them opportunities to put the puck in the net, they were going to do it. But the Bruins don't do that. Like, that's not what the Bruins brand of hockey is. And like I, you know, it's t- so. I guess the the issue is right. Like they're not going to be in the same division as the Bruins next season. Yeah, but and they're so, they're still going to have Samsonov and Vanacek and whatever. And like there's there's no right. There's 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 and, no answer there. That division is still good because well, right. Carolina so, comes back mm-hmm. into it. So so right. So if you swap out the Bruins for Carolina, um. At least you could say with Carolina, it's like, well, maybe the goaltending is like I don't know what Nedeljkovic is. You right. know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I think they're I think they're still going to be pretty good, but like they need an exit strategy for this. I'm interested. I'm interested to see what happens with Kuznetsov, man. I I don't think he is. Yeah, good. I think he's not. He's got to be done, he's, right? You got to you got you got to assume. Yeah, you would you would think, but. That's, I mean, the, the the whole the whole thing with the Capitals is you look down that roster, and other than Ovechkin, there's nobody oh, coming man. off the books. Not not like, at all. They're locked in. Right. The, the only other guys coming off the books are Zidane Chera, Craig Anderson, and Paul Ledoux, who apparently is a human being that plays <laughs> in the NHL. <laughs> and then Lundqvist, which was, which was obviously LTIR all year, and who knows. But 
other than that, like it's it's not like a lot. There's a lot of teams you go, oh, they're capped out, but then you go, well, you know what? This guy goes, this guy goes. Okay, mm-hmm. they maybe got some room. There, there really isn't any, and that's what brings it back to Kuznetsov because he's at seven point eight million, four more years after this one. He's twenty nine, so he's not old, but he's not young anymore. He's another one of those guys that I think people think is younger than he is. Oh yeah, and all of this stuff behind the scenes, the the COVID, the whatever else. It seems like there's not a lot of patience there, but but what do you do? What's the market for a nearly eight million dollar player that uh, you're pissed off, that you're mad at? Right. Yeah, that, that people know you you want to move. Uh, who's who's a a good player, obviously, but he's coming off a 29 point season. He hasn't been a point a game since 2018. Uh, is this is this like are there teams lining up to get this guy and to give you significant assets for it? I don't, he'd be, I don't he'd, be, so. he'd be more he'd be more of a dump player. than anything else at this point yeah. with the way the with the way the the cap is shaking out across the league there's not a team that wants to pay him 7.8 million dollars you'd be you'd be retaining some of it and sending him to a to a shit team yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think I think there are obviously teams that could use top six center mm-hmm. and he is that for for all intents and purposes like could Columbus use uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov? Uh, you know, absent, uh, he's going to give everybody COVID or whatever. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel I, like I, I, I feel like he might fit in pretty well with that team. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so like, there are teams that could use him, but like, they're not going to be like take our first, well, take our first round pick, take our top prospect. Mm-hmm. Like, you would be doing the Capitals a favor by taking him off and, your hand. Off, you know, hand. you move him, and then like, you know, let's say you. Retain twenty five percent, so that's two million. So you just freed up a little under six million. Who are you going to get to play in your top six for that amount? That makes your team better. Whenever Josh subtraction, maybe. Yeah, yeah. whenever your fundamental problem is that your top six, despite being you know, is in decline and still okay, and then having a bottom six that's just just a bunch of just a bunch of dudes. Like you're not really addressing any. Any 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 real issue there? You're you're exacerbating other problems. Yeah, that's it, they've they're in trouble. They've got a tough path. Uh, let's look at the series that are still going on, uh, at least as of as we're recording this on the morning of whatever day it is right now. Uh, Islanders Penguins. Islanders are up three uh, two. Sweet playmaking uh, ability by <laughs> Tristan Jari <laughs> on the overtime winner. Is that? I mean, did did the Penguins come back from that? This is this is your territory, Sean. Is this is there hope? I think. I mean, if you ignore the goaltender, I think there's hope. I think they've played pretty well at five on five throughout yeah. throughout the course of the series. I mean, I, I think there's hope with that team. I, I'm pretty. The overriding vibe from them is that they know that. Or they they think or hope that the last game was just a crazy fluke because the goalie because the goalie fucked it up for him right but um this is who Tristan Jari is coming into this series a lot of people are like wow he's really good at home and terrible on the road as if that were the explanation for his inconsistency was that oh yeah he's he, he's good in one place and not in the other the reason he's yeah, but- inconsistent is that he's inconsistent. And he was like, you know, he's like, whatever. Randomly, he had a 925 at home this year, but he was sub 900 on the road. And that's because he's 
not very reliable and not and not very good. Right. And the, the other thing to say of like any any time you're getting into home road splits, mm-hmm. it's like, well, I don't know if you if you knew this, but they play like half of the games on the road. Yeah. yeah. Right. So like if your goalie's going to suck shit for half the season, th- that's bad. That's not a situation you want to be in. And especially especially this year whenever for such a huge chunk of it, I mean, yeah, you know, you know talk about last change and all that, but like the environments at home in a way were were pretty identical because you know someone just started right. jackhammering outside outside my apartment I don't, I don't know if you guys can hear that it's very distracting i can yeah um cool. so it's the peng- penguins are getting to work yeah or they're or they're doing line work on the on the on the street outside it could it could be either or that's uh that's chris tanev running the jackhammer out there <laughs> brandon yeah, tanev, it, good god yeah chris tanev is uh Calgary Flames signed with the Calgary. One of the many Vancouver Canucks who signed with the Calgary Flames this past summer, and it worked out great. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, yeah, the thing the thing with the Penguins is they maybe aren't in the same spot they were in in the uh, the pre two cups era, but it's close, right? Like they kind of have a lot of bums on the roster again, and. You know, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, who is clearly playing hurt, can only do so much. And, you know, I it's tough because I think on paper they're better than the Islanders. But the Islanders' two best players are a number one center who can at least give you something to think about and uh, a goalie who is playing extremely well. So I don't I don't know that uh, that there's a way around that, you know. Yeah, it's I. When it comes to the Penguins, I've been waiting for the San Jose Sharks style collapse for a few years now, and I I keep being proven wrong. So I'm not going to go too far down on that. And hey, I mean they they can still win two games and and win the series. But yeah, it, it, it's I'm shocked to see a Brian Burke team get let down by goaltending in the playoffs. This is. Uh, this is a stunning development. It's a, it is kind of a shame for them too because the Carter line has been really good. I mean they they have they have forward depth in a way that they haven't in the last couple of years. I think the defensive group is you know fine. Like they're that roster is better now, honestly, than it was over the last two years. But the goal is letting him down, and it's because he's probably not that good. Yeah. yeah, and but you know what? All that said, if if he doesn't make that terrible turnover in overtime and the Penguins win that game, then I, told, we're we're having a whole completely different conversation. He's looked he's looked deeply is. uncomfortable for the entire series, and I, yeah. I've watched a whole lot of this dude, and he's I mean he's a grab bag, right? Like sometimes he looks great and sometimes he looks terrible. But there's been no point over the course of this series where even in the run of normal play, when he hasn't been allowing goals, just he's handcuffing himself. He's, he's a, he's a mess. So yeah, I, I, it's going to take, it's going to take a big change, whether it's, you know, whether, whether they make it to a game seven or not, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel too great about their chances. Let's, let's talk about another series where goaltending has, has been an issue for, for one of the teams. And, and it's been maybe my favorite series so far, which is lightning Panthers. Uh, Florida stays in it. They have used three starting goaltenders in, one round, by choice. Washington did too, but there were injuries there. Um, 
is this is this the Spencer Knight era here? Is is this just prolonging the inevitable? Did they screw this up from the beginning by going with the rotation they did? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I thought it was a strange decision to to play Bobrovsky uh, at all, honestly. Um, but like, I I know uh, Drieger had been had been hurt off and on down the stretch, but and and you go well. Look, there's a this a the, our only other option is a is a kid that no matter what his pedigree is, he's got like four NHL games under his belt. So like I kind of get that they were in a in a tough spot with that, but it's like, yeah, they they should have gone to night after game th- two maybe because uh, it you know, Bobrovsky seems like he's got the worst contract in the league now. I can't believe they went back to him. I thought once they, yeah. I thought once they, um, once they pulled him, that that was, I thought that was going to be it. So for them to go back to the well with him was was a wild, was a wild thing to see. I mean, I I think the thinking there is, especially if you're Joel Quenville, you're looking at the three goalies you've got, and you're going, okay, let's map out all the scenarios where we win the Stanley Cup, or at least go very deep. How many of those don't involve? Sergei Bobrovsky being the guy who who takes over the net. Like, are we really going to ride Spencer Knight uh, to to you know deep into a into a playoff run? Are we really going to run a guy who's been a minor leaguer his whole life uh, up until this year? Or do we have to assume that the two time Vezina guy that we threw all this money at rediscovers his game and and maybe that's why you see, you know you sit there and go look uh, to win the series yeah maybe we've got a better chance with some of the other guys but if we want to actually turn this into something bigger we got to hope it's it's Bobrovsky or bust um i don't know that's that's the best logic i can come up with i'm not sure any of it matters cuz man the the Tampa Bay Lightning look really really good uh and uh they are they now i don't know Sean I, you guys are, are i I think keeping the power rankings going during the playoffs is, is Tampa moving close to that number one spot at this point. It's tough to pick them over the abs under any circumstance, but we've like been high on the lightning obviously for, for the duration of it. We take shit all the That's time. Interesting. I, well, it, it, it's not interesting, but what is interesting is the amount of shit we take in the comments about it. Like people are like, Oh, they're this and they're that. And it's like, no, they're still, Still, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they yeah, still they're... are getting. They, they, they still played the entire season without Nikita Kucherov. Like, be, yeah, be realistic about this. Their like their starting lineup most nights is like, oh, this is a very plausible uh, All Star game starting lineup. Like that's that's how good the Tampa yep. Bay Lightning's roster is. And so, yeah, I like I get that. I get that maybe they underperformed in terms of well, they didn't blow everybody out of the water um you know uh in, in in the regular season but to your point they didn't have uh, a, a recent mvp winner uh their their apparently uh norris style defenseman who didn't have a norris style year uh was playing hurt all all season or for a good chunk of the season um stamkos missed a bunch of time blah blah but you can go down the list and it's like should they have this much problem putting away a okay Florida Panthers roster? Probably not, but also like uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's hockey. Yeah, they brought back the guts of a team that won a Stanley Cup last year. Like I, yeah. I don't, it's not, it's not, it's not rocket science. And and all the issues that they had, yeah, I don't know how you can't have them at the very tippy top of 
you know, whatever list of, of contenders you have going. Yeah, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit last week, but the, the one thing I was concerned about was, yeah, Kucherov's going to come back, but that doesn't mean he's going to be Kucherov. And yep. if he was like, well, no, it doesn't no. mean that. Yeah. Actually, it's <laughs> yeah. actually fine. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the winner of that series is going to get the winner of Carolina-Nashville, which we, I mean, if you had asked me a week ago, I would have said we'd be talking about that series in the past tense and, and the Hurricanes would have already moved on. But the Predators are giving them a fight. Uh, last night, Carolina wins in overtime, takes a 3-2 series lead. Is that it, or are, are we expecting another twist or turn? I mean, Yossi Saros is just playing out of his mind. That's that's what it boils down to. Like, they, you know, they, they took a, a goal off the board for, for Carolina in, in regulation that should have been a goal. Um, you know, like, I, I don't, I don't want to get into like, oh, here's why, you know, whatever. I, I just think it should have been a goal. I, I looked fine to me. Um, and you know, if, if it doesn't go to overtime, I think we're talking maybe a little more emphatically about, uh, well, they're gonna, they're gonna wrap it up ASAP now. Um, but still like, Yossi Saros is the one making this series close. Let's be honest. Yeah. Which is which is what we all said going yep. in had to happen, and it's kind of happening. Uh, and yeah, thank thank goodness that disputed goal didn't end up making the difference on wins or losses because I'm not sure I can do another two days of the nobody understands goaltending interference shtick. So uh, I'm I'm glad in that sense that Carolina won. Uh, Sean, what are you seeing in this series? Is and do you do you have any hope to offer to the many Predators fans who listen to this podcast. Trying to battle through this jackhammer, it, it is it is not easy at it's all. It's the playoffs, um, man. you got to fight through. I know, dude. Um, this is exactly what we thought a series win for the Predators or a competitive series for the Predators would look like, right? It was, it was Saros... Saros going crazy and and kind of and kind of standing on his head. I mean, you look at you look at the numbers from last night. That's another really solid game by the Canes ac- across the board. And it, it was it was it was the goalie, right? So you can if you're the if you're Carolina, you can you can blame it on that. And if if you're Nashville, you can say like, up, oh, yeah, this is this is this is going to continue. Yep. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't wait until this goes up. And people are like, going to be so. People mad at feel us. the need to tweet us, and they're like, "Did you know that there was no, no, no? We had no idea. Sean was not aware that there." Was Sean, a, what you should do yeah, is go out there and be like, "Can you, can you guys, guys keep it down? I am trying to podcast it. Stop, please." Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we'll keep it going. Um, Vegas, Minnesota, uh, another one where uh, maybe looked like it was going to be over quick and. Uh, Minnesota fights back. Uh, is it? Is it? Are, are the Wild going to screw us out of the Golden Knights Avalanche second round Stanley Cup final that we've all been waiting for? No, I don't think so. Yeah, okay, that's that's probably about right. Um, the the interesting interesting thing is, I I saw somebody posted the stat that basically during the regular season, the three best goalies in the league were. Hellebuck, Vasilevsky, and Mark Andre Fleury, and during the playoffs, exact same three guys. Yeah, Mark Andre Fleury looks really, really good uh, at, to the point where it, give give them non amazing goaltending, and this series kind of maybe looks a different. I, I I feel bad in a sense for Wild fans who have just been waiting so long to have a team that's interesting. 
uh, and it it just seems like they ran into this powerhouse. But I I I, I think. I think Vegas wins the series. I, I think the question at this point might be how much can the Wild take out of them before they get to a very well-rested Colorado Avalanche team in round two. Yeah, I, I think that's... I mean, like, the thing was, Minnesota seemed to have Vegas's number this year to an extent that mm-hmm. nobody else did. And, you know, I, I think that you were like, well, I mean, look, are they as good as Vegas on paper? No, obviously not. But the you know maybe it's a matchups thing maybe maybe it's this or that but at the end of the day I think some of it is well look uh, Minnesota has Cam Talbot in net you know what I mean like yeah uh, he's been good he's been pretty for, good for but most like, of it especially early on yeah but like Flurry's just having like an otherworldly seat like I think he should win the Vesna this year and he's continued that into the playoffs because why you know why wouldn't he. Um, and yeah, I, I that's kind of where I'm at with it. Is like if the difference in this series was going to come down to goaltending, and I think that was a reasonable uh, assumption going in, then this was Vegas's series to lose, and that's what mm. looks like it's it's going to happen. There's one more series. I'm trying to remember which one it is. Oh right, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, are up three to one on the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, convince me that I should still be worried as a Leafs fan, Ryan. Uh, they're the Leafs, I think. <laughs> right? okay. Like, yep, that did it. That did it. I'm, I'm, I'm right back there. Yeah, and I mean, I, I like for real. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I've seen more recently that a lot of a lot of people are kind of saying. Um, you know, maybe I do think uh, Carey Price is just clutch or whatever because he's playing very well. Uh, he didn't play great last night, I guess you would say. But, um, you know, for first few games, it's like, oh, Carey Price is locked in. That's it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but otherwise, yeah, uh, Montreal is, is kind of um, hanging on by their fingernails, it feels like, and, and just hoping to not get blown out. And that was kind of what we always expected, right? Just in terms of, uh, they don't have a particularly good roster. Their coach doesn't really seem to have any clue what he's doing. So, you know, at the end of the day, what, what are you really going to say about the Canadiens? Like, there, there's only so many guys they can keep healthy, scratched for no reason, insert into the lineup and get a good game out of. Yeah, I, I think from a Leafs fan perspective, uh, they're playing well. Series is not over. You, you will not trick me into doing any victory laps un, until they've closed it out. But uh, this is this is about how I think most neutral fans uh, might have expected the series to go. And Montreal just doesn't have the the firepower up front, so they they really needed a Carey Price series, and they've been getting it to some extent. And it still hasn't been enough. And, and the thing that, not that you need things to worry about if you're if you're Montreal, but the, one more thing to worry about is they're down three one in a series where Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner have not been very good in this series. It's, it's not that they've played poorly, but they haven't been productive. They they had a stretch right. in uh, in in one of the games where where they looked pretty dominant, but other than that, they've been real quiet. I mean, you're, you're getting beat by Alex Kerfoot and. Galchenyuk here. This that's uh, 
that's a bad sign. So it's it'll be interesting to see where Montreal goes if if they do uh, lose this series. That we can cover that uh, next week, or next week we can talk about another epic Maple Leafs collapse <laughs> and, uh, and have fun with that. Sean, but, I am by the way going to try to trick you into doing a uh, victory lap. No, nope, he said I no can't. Way. I'm going to try. You can try. It won't. It okay. won't work. Oh, I'm going to try. Um, so. But uh, yeah, the. the 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 other piece of this is, uh, and again, you you never want to look too far ahead, but I, I do feel like the John Tavares injury does put a real dent in the Leafs' hopes of winning a Stanley Cup. I, I don't think it's enough to matter necessarily against Montreal, maybe not even against Winnipeg if they get there, but uh, it, when you're talking about a Vegas or Colorado or Tampa situation, that's... Uh, that's that's a big loss and we don't know for sure that he won't be able to return in the playoffs but i I think that's the assumption for everyone uh and but that's down the road uh for now uh i mean geez we leaf fans we've been waiting 17 years to win a series almost there not quite there yet but uh obviously looking good Um, real good sean you want to do maybe a little victory lap about how good it's looking yeah well it it can't hurt right oh he got it. Got Got him. Wow. Swish. Well, I mean, it like this is this is how the series, in a lot of ways, was supposed to go for that for the Canadians if they wanted to win it, right? You have Carey Carey Price playing out of his mind, and Mm -hmm. you have Matthews and Marner, you know, not not producing in that kind of way. So yeah, I feel like I feel like the victory lap is warranted. This is over. You should be very excited about playing the Winnipeg Jets. It's it's got to be frustrating if you're Montreal and you've been waiting. For, I mean, the whole Bergevin era has been about getting that top line talent, and they haven't been able to. And they've tried trades, and Tavares didn't talk to them, and they had the offer sheet, and uh, and and then you come into this series, and first of all, your coach doesn't play some of your you know most dynamic offensive players, especially Cole Caulfield. Uh, maybe you can explain that by saying you know line change. He didn't want to be put him in a situation where he maybe got bad matchups, but that's tough. But what's got to be really tough is you go into this series and you're looking at the Leafs going, well, Matthews, Marner, if he's got, you're getting your butt kicked by Jason Spezza. Right? And there's got to be a point where you're like, well, how come we don't have a guy like that? Uh, I don't know. It's, how come uh, we don't have a 39 year old? Damn. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, uh, I, yeah, I, you know, we, we can all, it's game, game five is going to go Thursday. It's in Toronto Everybody in the world is gonna is gonna be waiting for it to get closed out. If Carey Price stands on his head, and now suddenly it's Game Six in Montreal, and there's gonna be fans in the building. You win that one, and now all the pressure in the world's on Toronto. We can see how this could play out in a way that doesn't work for the Leafs, but I'm also not gonna pretend that they're not in very good shape. Uh, That's why it's time for a victory lap. <laughs> and that, Here we go. And that brings us <laughs> a segment we like to call. Sean takes a victory. Uh, you know who's not looking good, according to most people, is the uh, officiating in the NHL. Wow, who could who could have guessed that? I know, right? Jesus Christ, every year with this. But uh, yeah, a lot of people are not happy. I know. Yeah, I, I look. Here's my theory, and tell me if I'm tell me if I'm really off base here. I, I think a lot of the criticism is, is valid. I agree with a lot of it. I don't agree with the theory that NHL officiating gets significantly worse in the playoffs. I think 
NHL fans and media pay significantly more attention during the playoffs. And for that reason, it seems worse. But I'm not convinced that that the standards really change all that much or even the way they're applied really changes all that much. It's just that every game is so crucial that when it's Calgary beating Vancouver halfway through the season, it's on a weird call. You're like, ah, who even cares? But in the playoffs, it's there's so much attention that even if uh, even a call that ends up not affecting the game, we still get an hour to debate it on Twitter. I mean, it's uh, yeah. it's it's. Am I am I on to something there, or or does NHL I, officiating actually get worse in the playoffs? I will say maybe not in the first period or two, but in the third period, it, it's just like, well, you could just like throw your stick at somebody; they're not going to fucking call it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's there's more glaring so, there's more glaring yeah, examples, I mean, right? Like uh, McDavid not drawing a penalty in that entire series is bananas. That and, was and whatever. Yeah. But like, Japer's Rink actually did a real quick scatter plot of of um, of penalties drawn versus points per sixty in the regular season, and it's just it's it's incomprehensible. So yeah, it's, it's random. There's no pattern whatsoever. Right. So there are these you know attention grabbing really high profile examples of the officiating being shit but i think that's generally true across the board what's interesting about that that graph and there was another where like uh, on twitter jeffler went through the top 20 or whatever it was scorers and showed where they ranked in terms of penalties drawn and again nobody ranks all that high and some of the guys are towards the bottom of the league which seems crazy that, that if you're the best player and you've got the puck you should be drawing penalties uh There'd be a lot of fans who would look at that and say, that's the system working the way it should work. Same set of rules for everybody. We don't want this to be the NBA where you can't even touch uh, well, a star player. Right, but, but, that, but that ignores the fact that, I mean, yeah, there's a star system in a way in the NBA that, there, that doesn't exist in, in the NHL, but drawing penalties and drawing fouls is a legitimate skill. So if you look at the, and if you look at the top free throw shooters in the NBA, just from one to ten it's Embiid, Giannis, Zion, Trey Young, Jimmy Butler, Bradley Beal like like it's 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 glaring because part of being a dangerous offensive player in both sports means that you put yourself in a position to 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 draw fouls so yeah it it is it's it's craziness it's glaring like I'm I'm not about to say that it's equally bad you know between the regular season and the playoffs but you know it just goes from bad to worse yeah, it's it's been interesting to see when the Tim Peel situation happened. It feels like everybody was on the same page. Stop managing the game. Stop giving the same number of power plays to both teams, no matter what. Just call the rule book. And if one team commits a lot of penalties and the other one doesn't, then one team should get a lot of power plays and the other one shouldn't. And we all agreed on that right up until the playoffs started. Mm-hmm. And now everybody's looking at it going, but that team got more power plays than us. This <laughs> isn't fair. And, and I get where it comes from, like, because there are, it, it's this, it's this double sided coin where it's like, this is how it should be, but also this is how you usually call it. So I don't want you to call it the way you usually call it, but for now, please call it the way you usually call it. And, uh, and, and it seems like nobody's happy. But uh, I, yeah, it's <laughs> it's the NHL way, uh, baby. It is. Everyone it's, loses, it's, and and you know what? Everyone's furious, and we it, it, 
if, if, if I'm remembering right, like there's, there have been a couple of goalie interference calls people didn't like. We haven't had like the real big, like there hasn't been like the Joe Pavelski call or, or, you know, something like that where you're like, that was just a crazy missed call. This is just kind of run of the mill stuff, but it's, I mean, look, some of this is being a fan. You're always going to think your team doesn't do anything and the other team's getting away with so much, but the, the level like in the Toronto Montreal series, there's Montreal fans are furious because there was a game where they got six penalties and the Leafs got one in terms of power plays. But of the six penalties, one of them was a guy broke his stick over another guy's back on a cross check. Uh, one of them was a Shea Weber cross check that he got supplemental discipline for. And one of them was a goalie review that they challenged and, and lost. So they called the penalty on themselves. It's not up to the referees to say, well, even though they committed those obvious penalties, we still have to, to even it up. But that's it. But if you're a Montreal fan, you go, yeah, but they usually do. So they should do it here too. I don't know. Is there, can you even fix this or is this, should, do we just resign ourselves to this is going to, we're going to have the same conversation every postseason. You can't fix Yeah. I mean, can't fix it midstream. That's for sure. You, you have to have an actual dedication to fixing it on kind of a cellular level that the NHL clearly doesn't have. So we're just, yeah, we're going to end up having this conversation every single year. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it, it there is a situation where at the beginning of not every season, but some seasons, they're like, "Oh, we have a new rule that we emphasize, and you can't, uh, you can't slash a guy's stick uh, like a like a, even on a stick lift. You can't do it." And then they do it every game, mm-hmm. fifteen times, and there's you know forty five power plays uh, per night and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And you lose their stomach for it. And, we and, hate and, it. Well, we would. Mm-hmm. Well, no, yeah, and people complain about it because it feels like, well, this is just like an arbitrary. <laughs> yeah, because right? you're calling one thing out of out of you're calling one, one thing thousand possible things. Absolutely, and and it's certainly also the case where, like the NFL, where they where they always go, well, you could call holding on every play, and that would suck, and so you only call the egregious holds, and it's like, I guess that's true, but I don't know, I. There has to be a way to strike a balance between uh, Connor McDavid. Like, this is the thing I wrote about in, like, 2018 of, like, Connor McDavid. I think it was um, – I think it was Connor McDavid and Cody McLeod because it was Cody McLeod drew more penalties per hour than anybody in the league. Mm-hmm. And part of that was uh, – like fighting majors, like you technically draw a fighting major, um, as far as the NHL is concerned. And so like, e- but even if you took fighting majors out, he drew 50% more penalties per 60 minutes of ice time than Connor McDavid did. And it's like, yeah, like very clearly it's not allowed to trip or hold or slash, uh, guys who stink and you, and you can do whatever you want to Connor McDavid. You know, um, and I just think if like refs don't want to get into a situation where, like I said, it feels like they're calling 15 penalties a night or whatever, but maybe Connor McDavid just draws 15 penalties a night sometimes. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how, how you square those two things that like people don't want all these power plays, but also you know, and and then it becomes a situation of well, if we call that trip on Connor McDavid, what do we not call the next one, or do we call you know like I get that it it's kind of more complicated than just call everything that's in the rule book, but like 
I think calling everything that's in the rule book uh, is a good jumping off point. Players are going to adapt yeah. to whatever method right. officials use to yes. use to call games. I think that's an important thing to remember. Like it, I so figure out what you want. And this, I think, it's fair to say, is what the NHL wants. Otherwise, they would do it differently. And be yep. be consistent with it, and then the water level will, will return to normal. Like if you, I mean, it's like if you say you're going to call whatever crackdown on interference or what or whatever it is. Yes, there's going to be that adjustment period. But if players know that this is the way it is and these are the way you're going to call games, then they're going to change their behavior accordingly. So it's like they, they have the stomach to try to, you know, start calling games differently in the regular season. But it's like then they get 20 or 25 games in, which isn't enough, clearly isn't enough to elicit like an actual behavioral change. And they pull the plug and then we're back to square one. Yeah. So find something and stick with it and you'll see the players respond and then we'll all be in a better spot. And we won't have to keep doing this shit every single year because it's really, really annoying. Or, well, or we will do it every year, but it, the line will just move and we'll argue. That's also... Because the, the league has done this because they, they did it with slashing, right? When the, mm-hmm. a few years ago they were going to take out slashing, there were a bunch of calls. People were like, oh, geez, you can't even tap a guy on the glove now. And then it just... We kind of just stopped talking about it because... The players adjusted. The the big one was obviously the 2006 season where they had the crackdown on some of the clutch and grab stuff. And I, you know, I've heard people say, yeah, they called it for a year. There were eight power plays a game. Nobody liked it, so they stopped calling it, and everything went back to normal. Go and watch any NHL highlights from the mid 90s until 2004. It's unrecognizable. Yeah, mm-hmm. how much hooking and holding. Like I, I tweeted out the the one clip of Eric Lindros where he's like just skating up behind Mark Messier and he just reaches out and hooks, like just hooks right past Messier and Messier's reaction isn't to look for a call or anything. He just, without even breaking stride, just puts his stick out to try to hook Lindros back and go right back. And that's, that's what hockey looked like. And you almost never see that. I'm not saying there's no hooking these days, but that being just an accepted thing doesn't happen anymore. The crackdowns do have a big impact, but, but Sean's right. You can't do it in the middle of the playoffs. Obviously, this is a something you have to do at the start of the season. You got to have the stomach for it, uh, and uh, and and then and then you hope it pays off by this time. But I, I do think we would still be arguing about. Of we just find something else to argue about because yeah. we're fans, and nobody wants to say my team got beat tonight. No, yep. when there's a ready-made excuse ready to go for it. Yeah, you. and it's time for another Sean victory lap. Hey. Oh man! Um, Stanley Cup commercials. Uh, how, how is how is that going down there in the states? Are we gonna? What have you guys are, got? Are we gonna run this back for for year two? Since we we got a we might have we to, got a we got a we got a lot of requests <laughs> on the Discord. We got we got a whole story and a CBC appearance out of, out of that out of that last year. People love talking right. about commercials that they hate. That's right. I forgot. We went on like CBC rate, which is like the Canadian equivalent of like going on NPR, like a really serious discussion. And it was the two of us just goofing on commercials. I don't feel like the Canadian ones have been awful quite yet, although there certainly are, are a few that I, I could maybe offer up. Uh, yeah. Is is there anything at the Terra Terra level happening in the United States? Ryan? The Rupert commercial with the turtle. Yeah, Rupert's tough. 
Yeah, uh, a guy doing a, I would say, bad uh, Bobby Moynihan impression <laughs> um, gets a uh, get, buys a turtle from a sketchy website. He says, and uh, it, and he's worried that he's going to get fraud uh, done to him. And, you know, they turn the turtle over and on the bottom of the turtle, it says, like, you're not responsible for any uh, fraudulent purchases on your account. And he's like, oh, that's great. Nice one, Rupert. The way he says Rupert, like, uh, drives me up a damn wall. I think the um, – and it's, is the implication there that he bought the turtle on, like, some kind of weird black market animal trading website? I think that's correct, yes. That's dark. <laughs> yeah, and and especially because it's like, oh, I guess Discover lets you like go on the dark web and use. <laughs> yeah, you want to buy you want to buy Ortolan on on the web so you can eat so, so you can eat it at your at your little freaky kitchen table. Go right ahead. Yeah, very very annoying commercial, and as with Tara Tara last year, uh, look, every look at her go break. Every single break, there was a there was a little while where uh, there was an iPhone commercial with uh, the Candyman song from Willy Wonka. Um, that was also very annoying, but that seems to have stopped and been replaced by a different annoying Apple commercial. So they're not. I don't think. Progress. I don't think they're quite as memorably obnoxious as they were this year. Like I, I don't. I don't think there's the earworm factor of Terra Terra Look at Her Go or that or the or the Pepsi commercial that you were talking about, Sean. I, I feel like they're kind of garden variety annoying now and less less like obvious hooks that people are going to lose their minds over. But it's still pretty early, and there's still time. <laughs> This is uh, heroes don't always emerge at the first first week. Of the I class. hope I, I I my pet theory is that there's more companies that are willing to spend money on advertising dollars now because we're we're far enough outside of the initial wave of pandemic mm-hmm. stuff where it's like it's not just Geico and uh, and Pepsi and you know yes we just talked about Discover but there's a little bit more of a little bit more of a variety there so we're not seeing like the same thing twice on every break. Speaking of uh, bad marketing, <laughs> uh, Major League Baseball oh. uh, put out some new hats and then immediately unput them out uh, a few hours later. Uh, this uh, I saw some of this come across my timeline, but th- this being baseball, this feels like it's more of a, an American thing. What 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 the hell just happened? I mean the I, the Canadian example is that on the Blue Jays hat they had poutine. Like I think that kind of sums it up. Where it's like, oh yeah, that classic that classic Toronto. Toronto specific thing, uh, yeah. We're gonna we're we're gonna throw a horrible clip art poutine on the on the side of on the side of these hats. It really was unbelievable. I, I, I literally, I, I went into this half thinking that I I would just do a bit where I acted like that was completely normal just to really <laughs> twist the knife on any Montreal people listening. But I I can't do it. They've they've had a rough enough week. I'm, I'm not going to. What you're not going? Yeah, that was. You're not terrible. You're not going to claim that the Toronto area has has the best poutine on earth, right? Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's you know, French fries, gravy, cheese whiz. That's exactly the way it's supposed to be. It's, <laughs> Classic. Uh, it's good stuff. Classic poutine. Yeah. So, did, like the the gimmick with these hats was it, it is a normal standard hat, but with like the 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 design and everything. The base design is the same for everything, but on every hat, it's all the area codes that you would associate with the team, I guess, 
Um, a thing that is like identifiable from the state. Um, if they won any World Series, I think you get like a little thing that indicates uh, what World Series you may have won. And then on the back, it's a piece of like a kind of local cuisine, basically. And um, a map of the state they're in with like the year the team was founded. Pittsburgh didn't even get area codes on their hats because there really because there's a clothing brand here. This is a long story, so I'm not going to tell it. But there's a clothing brand here that has a trademark on putting the 412 area code on stuff. So New Era just was like, okay, eh, fuck it, fine, whatever. We're not gonna we're we're not gonna do the area codes for Pittsburgh, and then just left that part of the hat blank. Yeah. The the ones I liked were they didn't have anything crab related on the back of the Orioles hat because there was a crab on the side of the Orioles hat for some reason. So instead, where everybody has put, you know, like the food a, thing, Boston yeah. bottle, lobster roll, Arizona, I think was a burrito. Uh, again, the Blue Jays had poutine for some reason. <laughs> uh, instead, so instead of food, they just put like. A caricature of Edgar Allan Poe? <laughs> yeah, right. Who, if I'm not much mistaken, like, just mostly just, like, died he went to he went to, have, he went to Baltimore like, to die. Yeah, like, he didn't have much of a, um, like, a life there, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> like, he, he spent a lot of time in, in New York and was from Boston. And they were like, who's a famous person who uh, dropped dead in our city? <laughs> Like, like, why not just put, like, a DVD box of The Wire on there at that point? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, this felt like an NHL... This, is, this was like say, This was, like, an NHL-level unforced error, like, in merchandising. I was surprised to see this happen yes. at baseball. This feels like the thing that happens to hockey. Yeah, this, this feels so NHL that it actually surprised me. I, I had to double-check to realize. <laughs> <laughs> I will say... The Boston Red Sox one is not like this is this is very specific to Boston, I think. But there is a very specific breed of Boston area dirtbag who just has all the things that they put on the Red Sox hat, like as a shitty tattoo, (laughs) including the Red Sox logo and like their area code and all that kind of stuff like. I thought that, like, I said, you know what, this obviously isn't for, for me, certainly. It's not, but there's wait, a hold on, hold on. very specific kind of guy. It's not, it's not for you because you already have all these things tattooed on your body. That's right. I, I don't like to double up <laughs> on my iconography like that. Um, but, like, literally, I, I can see where, you know, like all, like all the Chicago dipshits have the little stars from the Chicago flag on, on there. Mm-hmm on their uh, arm or whatever. Like I, I can see where that's reasonable, but yeah, I mean, this is just like, it's what's so fucking funny is like Sean said, Pittsburgh didn't even get an area code. Some teams only have one area code. And then for like Chicago, there's, I think eight area codes on there. And it's like, this is maybe too busy. Also, also Cleveland got the pierogi. That's not fair. Did Cleveland get a pierogi? Yes. What did, what did Pittsburgh did Pittsburgh get that's like a, good, a, a sandwich with fries? I don't know. That's a good question. Down. I'm not sure that we got a food to tell you the truth. I'm gonna scroll down. Um, the athletics uh, site. No, <laughs> Pittsburgh's instead of a, a food, 
Pittsburgh, like a famous food city, uh, instead of a food, it says in like big block letters. Yinzer. Yinzer. That's right. I'm not fucking joking. There we go, baby. Um, but like San did, did Diego these things got actually disappear. Like, are they? Is this is this already dead? Because I think so. Yeah. I that, like it was hours. I like two or three. Yeah. Yeah. And like all the people that, who can't agree on anything, all united on Twitter to be like, "This sucks." And within uh, hours, Tampa, Tampa got a penguin in lieu of any kind of food or penguin, a flamingo. Tampa got a flamingo. Uh, Toronto got poutine. What did Washington get? A hot dog. Did, I think did the we Oakland think A's of... had like a palm tree or something. All the California teams had palm trees. Yeah, that's that's when I think Oakland. I think. Yeah, tropical paradise. <laughs> they should have had Marshawn Lynch's face. Um, yeah, and and Oakland also had a taco. Uh, every their, every California taco. team got a taco, like a Taco Bell, like hard shell taco. Yes, that's right. That's so cool. That's what. Fantastic. What's the food for New York? Oh, a piece of pizza, of course. That makes perfect sense. Hey, and then hey. is, is like Chicago, like a thicker slice of pizza. Yes. Yeah, no, no. It's a full deep dish. It's a full deep dish, actually. Wow. Mil- what the hell is Milwaukee? Somebody at the NHL got fired for not thinking of this. Milwaukee guy. <laughs> yeah. Mi- Milwaukee had cheese and beer. I think didn't they? Isn't isn't, no. isn't it a wheel of cheese on the well, front? Well, cheese and beer are on the front and side, and then in like in the space where the food usually is, is an indistinguishable thing. Uh, I can't tell what it is at all. <laughs> the NHL is is livid over not being able to get in on this. Yes, they, this is, their well, their knockoff version is coming soon. I guarantee. Yeah, watch somebody else have a bad idea and then go. Okay, how can we do this slightly worse? <laughs> and then put it out there. It'll be like a Leafs jersey, but instead of like it'll be like half the Maple Leaf, <laughs> and also it'll turn into poutine. I mean, bottom line. Everybody loves putting pins on their hats, so why not replicate that with shitty patches of fabric? That's yeah. that is kind of what it looks like. They look like enamel pins, uh, except it's all you know, completely yeah. random, like clip art kind of style stuff. Also, yeah. I'm looking at it. The Detroit Tigers have a cherry on the side of their hat. Why? I, why? I believe why that be someone said that that's like a Traverse City thing. <laughs> I guess it's like the Cherry City or some shit. I don't know. Cool. Yeah, and when sure and when we is. think of the Detroit Tigers, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Traverse City, of course. <laughs> oh my god! All right, let's uh, let's take it home with an overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. Uh, I think the suggestion was Summer Olympic events. Yes, I. That, we're uh, we're seeing more and more commercials for it down here on NBC. Yeah. This and, is apparently going to happen. Yeah, but like I just keep going. Oh, I guess that is like a month and a half away. It's insane. That's wild. But so, all right. Well, let's 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 do that then. Overrated summer Olympic event. Uh, Ryan, what do you got? Uh, the the one where you got to uh, where you got to run and like it's like an obstacle course. What's that called? Is that even a summer Olympic steeplechase? Yeah, steeplechase. I think that's part of the that's part of the decathlon, I believe. That's what I thought. Yeah. So you're just ta- you're just taking you're taking the, you're taking the entire decathlon or just or yeah just fuck it. I don't, oh. Okay, we get it. You can run and throw stuff. Cool. The other thing I will say though is if they want to replace that with um, some sort of an American Gladiator style gauntlet, <laughs> okay, now we're back in. Yeah. 
Uh, Sean? Oh, I thought... Overrated? I, I, th- I thought it was you. I'm going with... I'm going with swimming. Don't care for it as an activity. Don't care to watch it on, on, on TV. Don't need it. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, swimming was mine as well. Oh! I see, I, I sincerely do like all that. And the- it's it, for a slightly different reason. And that's that. Uh, I I actually like swimming as an event. I, I it's a, I like race events. It's it's happens slowly enough that I can understand. I just don't like that there's like the same dude is in eighteen different events, and he can come out with like I won twelve gold medals. I'm the greatest Olympian ever. And you're like, no, you just did the same. You had you, you had know. two good weeks. You can, yeah. yeah, you won the fifty meter, and then you won the fifty five meter, and then you won the fifty seven meter, and like just pick a thing and be like, this is how this sport works. But I respect it. I, I kind of part of me wishes that hockey did the same thing and had like, yeah, we have five on five, we have four on four, we have two hundred ten foot <laughs> long rinks, we have one hundred ninety, and and like Sidney Crosby just goes and wins eighteen gold <laughs> medals. Right. That would be cool. Uh, so maybe this is more jealousy on my. Is part. this is this the start of McIndoo versus Phelps? You're starting a feud. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It's calling you out, baby. Uh, underrated, Ryan. You know, I I, th- I think they're they're bringing it back this year. I th- I think baseball's back, right? It is. Yeah, that rocks. That's so fucking cool. Like I, as a limit, you know, obviously uh, baseball is normally rated in in the United States and probably Canada to a lesser extent. But like, I love the idea that it can be an international event and and guys are like excited to play it and that kind of thing. I think that's cool. Yeah, my under- softball was great too. I, I feel like they, they yeah took that I, out. So that, I think that was I think softball's back too. Seems like it. Hell yeah. Okay. That'd be great. All right. My underrated is archery. I had to cover a lot of the 2012 Olympics for sporting news, like from the office. So that meant a lot. And it was in London. So that meant a lot of waking up at like six or seven in the morning and just watching whatever bullshit was on. So I could do my horrible little 300 word posts about, about whatever happened. Archery is a blast and it's like always on at a random time. Cause nobody gives that much of a shit about it. Um, but I will actually go out of my way to watch it during during the Olympics. There's something about it that just works, and I feel like nobody talks about it all that much. That's yeah. That that's uh, that's a good one. I uh, for me, uh, rowing. Partly because again, it I like I like a good race. It's also something that Canada. It's one of the rare summer Olympic sports that Canada is especially good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's and it's also one of these things. There's a lot of sports where I look at it and I'm like, I can't even get my head around what's happening here and how you would do that sport. Whereas this, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I understand I could sit in a boat and I could row without any training whatsoever. And also my shoulders would explode after 30 seconds. So I can like completely respect the insane athleticism that goes into it. I, I, I would like maybe someday to be like the guy who sits at the end of the boat and just tells the team to row. I feel like the coxswain really appreciate it. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's, that would be helpful, right? To, we should have that in every sport where somebody just stands near the athlete and tells them, like, hey, don't forget to jump. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Thanks, man. The, I've been training just, my whole life for this. I'm good. The coach is skating next to Sidney Crosby going, <laughs> shoot, shoot, shoot. Yeah. Uh, favorite? 
Ryan. Basketball. Yeah. Okay. And how about this? I just looked it up on the Olympics website. There's going to be three-on-three basketball in the Olympics this year. Yeah, what is the deal with that? Because I, I just saw that, and that sounds cool as hell, but but is it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, that's it's one, just basketball, but with uh, three guys. I is it going to be NBA guys again, or is this... You know, that I don't different? know, actually. They should just go full-on Big Three style, where, like, Ice Cube is the actual Olympic coach, or, or whatever. Right. Yes, that's one of those things too. It it happened a few years ago, and we're obviously a year a year later than normal on uh, on the Olympic schedule. So I had completely at some point I knew that that was going to be an actual Olympic sport, and I've I've since forgotten it. So looking at the list, I'm 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 all in on that. Uh, I, I just pulled up the men's Olympic roster, and it's uh, nobody from the NBA. Uh, Canyon Barry. Robbie Hummel, Dominique Jones, and Kareem Maddox. It says here. I've heard of three or four of those guys from like from college hoops, though. Yeah, they're 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 all college guys. Um, it seems like maybe only one of them is even vaguely a professional at this point. Robbie Robbie Hummel definitely got drafted. He was he played for Purdue and he was he was pretty good. I'm not sure I'm not sure what what he's been up to the last few years, but he's an actual player. Let's see. Yeah, Canyon Barry is in the G League right yeah. now. Um, Robbie Hummel is a former professional uh, player, and now he does TV stuff, I guess. Um, but they, it seems like a lot of these guys just won the the three on three FIBA, uh, or is it FIBA? I can never remember. But uh, tournament, FIBA. yeah, it's FIBA. Okay, seems like the, a lot of these guys just were on the roster that won the three on three international tournament. Makes in, sense. In 2019, makes sense. Yeah. But would it also be fun to see LeBron just like dunking on a bunch of fucking Serbian guys who've never played yes, before? Yes, yeah, that would yes, be yes. sick. That's the whole appeal of uh, basketball in the Olympics is um, the bad matchups. Yeah, basketball is my favorite too. But shout out to the track events; those are always those are always great. There's still something really fun about watching the 100 meter and you know flipping out over it. That's always great. And I did want to say that the one that I almost picked for underrated is handball that's a blast yeah it's cool um yeah and like you know there there's soccer there's field like the thing the thing to say about the summer olympics is pretty much front to back it's fucking good oh totally yeah it is i i you know we'll we'll get to the least favorites but i actually had trouble thinking of something that was obviously an event i don't Mm -hmm. like i even though it's a lot of stuff that i would never watch uh i I enjoy a lot of it. My favorite, by the way, is to piggyback on, on what Sean said, the 100 meter. Oh, totally. I, I love that it's 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 a heavyweight fight that only happens once every four years. It's nine and a half seconds, a, a lifetime of training coming down to that moment. I love the fact that there's the heats beforehand where like the the top guys are basically just jogging and winning and like, you know, I'll 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 just peel off a ten point two and <laughs> uh, save save my energy. And then just the fact that it just comes down to that moment. There's no season. There's no. It doesn't. There's no time for yeah. any narratives or anything like that. Just the gun goes, and you go. And again, you know, as a, obviously it's it's a big deal in the U.S. But as a Canadian, we've we've had a couple of guys that were uh, front <laughs> center in that, and it's just it's it's fun as hell. And and also the four by one hundred as well is right there. That you I, use love, a, I love. I love. I love the four later. by one. We'll see what happens uh, by the. I, a great part 
I mean, a really great part about about the 100 in particular is that it happens in front of a packed stadium and it happens at night wherever, you know, wherever yep. wherever it's taking place. I don't know what the deal is with, you know, uh, with crowds is is going is going to be in Tokyo, but the environment with the 100 is just is just as good as it gets. There's it, there's there's like I've I've obviously never never been to one, but from everything I've heard, like there's no more electric crowd than right before the hundred meters. You just realize like this is it. We're gonna like imagine if they play the Super Bowl in ten seconds <laughs> and they're like, okay, it's about to start. Tom Brady's about to take the snap. Here's ten you just be like you lose your mind. Like you, you can't process what you're about to see. It's so cool. Uh least favorite, Ryan. Uh equestrian. Horses don't get medals. Uh that's bullshit. That's that's a really good one. Actually. They don't fucking get him the horse doesn't get a medal. He does all the work. What was it was it ESPN or Sports Illustrated or something that had a, a thing on like the top athletes of all time and they put horses on it? Like yeah, that was terrible. that was like was racing. It was like the Sports Century stuff, like in, in, in 1999 or 2000, where yeah. they had like you know Secretariat and Seabiscuit and whatever the fuck yeah, in the top 100. Yeah. yeah, would 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 you be good with it, Ryan? If like the horses, like if they had like a podium and the horse <laughs> got to stand yes and get I, yeah that, i would be much be better, better with it but boy is it and like like who does uh the equestrian events at the olympics is like mitt romney's daughter or yeah. some shit right so like yeah. it, so the horse not getting the medal is like just the perfect encapsulation of like global capital <laughs> like, I, I agree i agree <laughs> They're like, yeah, we're going to ride around. We're going to act like I did something uh, when, in fact, I just, uh, you know, literally whipped you so you (laughs) jumped over something you wouldn't have jumped over otherwise. Horse. Fucking scumbag. Horses are workers. Horses are workers. Like, literally, they are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My least favorite is golf because, uh, A, I'm not that big of a golf fan in general, and then the stakes are so low in the Olympics uh, it doesn't even have the cachet of, you know, whatever, the British Open or one of the majors. So it's like, it's a sport that I don't really care all that much about. And you remove some of the stakes. I'm just like, I have, I have no time for this. I, I don't know this. Do like, does like Phil Mickelson compete in the Olympics? Not really. Or is that like not really there's worth been, his time? There's been guys, there's been like big pros in the past who've done it, but that's not, that's not a normal thing. I, if I if I was Phil Mickelson, I'd be like, "Fuck yeah, I want an Olympic gold medal. That rocks. That sounds that sounds like a lot of fun." I mean, it's it's just one of those things. Like, there's certain sports where it's just not it's just not part of the like. I I, I mean, soccer. You have the U22s that are playing it. Like, I don't know. It's just it's just one of those things. Yeah. Uh, my least favorite is uh, uh, wrestling. Uh, it's, oh. it's, just, it's not as good. The costumes aren't good. The, Nobody gets hit like with a music. chair. Yeah. It's just really boring, mat based. And, and also the fact that I, I actually, in theory, like the idea of any kind of combat sport, it, it should be pretty simple, but I don't understand wrestling. I never did it. We didn't have a wrestling team, even in my high school. Uh, so to me, it's like, uh, two competitors, they start to wrestle and then someone's like, stop. It's also and it's also just happen. it's also just endless with all the weight classes and all the and all the yeah you know whatever the tournament mm-hmm. thing yeah I'm not I'm not into and it and then half the time I'm like oh that guy's that guy's kicking ass and then they're like yeah he just lost and I'm like oh okay I don't so and that's on me that's not yeah you know that that's me just not understanding a sport but it's yeah. like huh. I feel like I'm so close to wanting to like it and. I should be able to understand it and I just I don't and so it frustrates me every time the thing I the thing I always think about 
is when I was a kid and I was getting into like uh, like comedy and stuff like that. I, I watched uh, the the Craig Kilborn Daily Show, and there was one episode where they had Diamond Dallas Page on. That's why I remember it, obviously. And uh, he was like, you know what? I, and it was during the Olympics, I want to say, because they were talking about Olympic wrestling. And he's like, you know what I don't like about the Olympic wrestling? No capes. And it's like, that is the perfect encapsulation. <laughs> the showmanship of professional wrestling is really what what elevates it to a sport we care about. And, you know, they, they should do it, but then they'd be professional and they, they'd lose their amateur status. That's right. <laughs> so I guess it makes sense. I was really hoping one of us would have, like, an axe to grind against trampolines or whatever. Yeah, rhythmic yep. gymnastics. Stupid. Get out of here. But, yeah, uh, whatever. That's fine. Um... I think that's it. Yeah, uh, sure. This is the part where I would normally close the show uh, in in a way that uh, Greg would do. Uh, you're in pucks. Is that? Do we do that at this point, or is that? Yeah, that's, that's more it. Of a beginning thing. I think. <laughs> uh, oh, right. Find my stuff on the athletic. Uh, I've I've got a bunch of posts up there, including the uh, old guys without a cup ranking was uh, this week. So oh, yes, yeah. that on Monday. Go check it out now and check out my. Uh, other show with Ian Mendez on the Athletic Hockey Show on Thursdays where we only talk about Canada because nobody cares about uh, <laughs> hockey in the United States. Yeah, dude. I, right. uh, Sean, I um, yeah, I did want to thank right. you for getting me a podcast with Custance to be the counterbalance for all the Canadian bias at the Athletic Hockey Podcast. So thanks. Sean, do you want to plug a, a, a different podcast besides the one that you and Craig have? Listen to me on Stick to Sports on the Puck to Su- on the Puck Soup Patreon with me and Ryan Lambert. Yeah, and then uh, in addition to the the wonderful podcast Stick to Sports, um, uh, you can sign up for all the other stuff on the Puck Soup Patreon, including uh, we are going to do our Supotle episode uh, in the next day or three here, and it is we are drafting. Um, Player, we're building a team from the worst uh, teams in the in the NHL since like the '74 Capitals or whatever. So, uh, you know, twenty man roster draft style, and and we're seeing who can put together the best team. It's honestly um, more good players than you would think. Yep. So, yep. so I think I think uh, at first I was like, "Ooh, this sounds a little boring," but I think it's actually going to be fun. Because uh, we're not going to just be like, oh, here's some guy I've never heard of that had like a 45 point season for the uh, you know the 1978 New York Islanders or whatever the team that finished last in 1978 was. Um, I don't have that in front of me. So yeah, check that out. And then also uh, epringside.com. Uh, if you sign up for a year and use the code I love EP, all one word. I believe you get three months uh, for free tacked on at the end there. So uh, check that out as well. And that's it for uh, my plugs and this podcast this week. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will talk to you next week. So long. Sticks and hits and goals and saves and slap shots and goons. We've got the commentary to what if you commute. But we also cover movies, TV shows, hits and tunes. It's your weekly bowl of hockey and nonsense. Box <sighs> soup.